Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. Telling a great story might seem like a natural gift, but for so many, it just simply isn't. What value do our stories have? How can speaking up and speaking out empower us, ourselves, and others? What is your story that needs to be shared? Stay tuned as I explore the power of your story well told with my very special guest today. And you'll hear about her in a moment. Just want you to know you really need to stay tuned for this one because this is going to be a gem. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. Head there to discover your creative advantage by taking the Creative Innovator Quiz. Find out your personal Creative Innovator style so you can open your flow and make everything in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more in less time while enjoying every minute. And coming up July 17th and 18th, the next Inspiration into Action Intensive. And you can head over to the Baca Institute to find out more about that. So my guest today is Adele Federick. She has been working and exploring story for over 25 years. Her current practice is a unique integration of three different disciplines, narrative coaching, language development, and leadership. Well, that combination, that integration has proven to be a beneficial approach to helping others harvest their stories for insights and wisdom to navigate life's journey. And isn't it in some way what we're all doing is navigating our own life? So welcome, Adele. Just a moment, I'm going to read a little more about her story. She is a certified narrative coach and a certified coactive professional coach. She has a Master of Arts degree in speech language pathology with a special interest in narrative development in children and a postgraduate certificate in personal leadership in the public sector from Royal Roads University. So a second welcome to you, Adele. I'm so glad you're here with me on Wisdom Talk Radio. Thank you, Lori. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Mm. So, my well, gosh, we could start with so many different places, but I think it's probably helpful, too, if you would describe what you mean by a storyteller. And, and then we could talk about, you know, how do you become a better storyteller? Mm. Well, we're all storytellers. And I think that's the, if, if nothing else, that's my message. Mm-hmm. And we could just stop there. <laughs> like, is a storyteller. I, and I never perceived it that way. I was always in awe of people who could tell a great story. Um, and I have reverent respect for cultures who assign storyteller as a role in their culture. Um, I'm also aware that I believe it's in Ireland that there's a storytelling uh, school that is years and years of yes. 
ready. Mm-hmm. So I saw story to be a storyteller. It, it was is a kind of a higher calling or a higher way of being was kind of part of my um, story I had made up about it and is so clear we are all storytellers so what does that mean though I mean if we're all storytellers why what is the importance of story in 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 culture in communication we had an oral culture and oral way of communicating long before we had written language. So our oral stories were the way we connected. They were the way we sh- uh, shared information. It's the way our ancestors taught um, their information. Our brains are not just wired for language. They're wired for story. Mm. And you can feel that every time there's missing information, uh, we and we don't have the full story, we make up the story. <laughs> oh, that's a really good point. We make up a story and we tell ourselves those made up stories. Absolutely, absolutely. It's everything a story. We think in story. Um, we may not think in story words, but we think in event knowledge. So mm-hmm. we will go back to, um, if we're faced with a problem, we will search our memory for a similar problem that we've been in or a similar situation. We'll look for that event knowledge of us having encountered this problem before. And we may not actually think of the words, but we're pulling event knowledge forward to, mm-hmm. to be useful. So story exists even without words. That's a beautiful way to think of things because <clears throat> everything we do, it, it comes from our own belief system. It could come, we, we, we predicate our behavior on our, our, our past stories, you know, given your way of uh, framing that. <clears throat> so how do we become a better storyteller and why is that needed? Hmm. It's interesting. You asked that and I go, yes, a better storyteller and telling better stories, Uh being being aware of the stories we're telling. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's lots of value. There's lots in the, in the business world right now about storytelling. So you'll hear come across a lot. Yeah. Um, Tell your story in business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yet um, story is the fastest way to connect with another human being. Hmm. So if you want to connect and in these times of COVID, it's been very powerful in the groups that I've run to see what's my first group I started before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so I got to um, journey with them through the, through COVID and mm-hmm. kind of the pivot we all had to make. And though that group talks about how it was story that helped them transition into COVID without that group to tell their stories with and to really take the time and space to share stories, their life would have been very different. Hmm. So what kinds of stories were they sharing? Stories about their life? Tell tell us more. Yeah. It's as simple as um, 
we do story a lot of story harvesting so it's finding those moments like a, a story moment and as simple as finding that moment in a grocery store that was very different but putting voice to that moment and why it was meaningful in a group situation not only help the person who was putting voice to it to have the time and space to figure out why it was such a big deal to them, but mm -hmm. it gave the other members of the group an opportunity to listen to somebody else. And so we all felt that we were in a very unique situation and all of us were. However, the universality of what we were experiencing was so powerful to recognize as a universal experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what did, what changed for people out of that? What did they, what did they do with those stories? And, and that may not be even the right question, but mm -hmm. I want to start there. Mm -hmm. mm. So sometimes those stories were simply just to share and let them go mm -hmm. so, and normalize and, and help more quickly shift into what was new for them. Mm -hmm. uh, some stories were, um, it was a way to share stories with others outside the group in terms of, oh yeah, this person experienced this and it seems like well, that's what you're experiencing. So it helped people in their world also normalize what was uh -huh. going on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of stories that were told um, more publicly from the COVID. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, definitely there was a COVID pivot in businesses. Mm -hmm. So having a, working with a business owner to find her COVID story. So where her pivot was and what was new, then set her up to be able to talk to her community and her staff about what this was with more confidence and more clarity and um, yes. Okay. You know, I'm thinking about something that you and I were actually talking about in another setting the other day about trust. And there was, there was a, a memory and a story that I told the night before um, that I realized connected very much in with that whole idea of trust and how we either trust or don't trust life, the universe, presence, God, whatever we want to call that. And, um, and so that's something that I want to, I want to actually write this week is something about that, sharing that story and why that's meaningful to me. And what value did you find going deeper into that story and sharing the story? Well, it was what you said earlier about um, connecting with why that story was meaningful. And it all, was all around trust. And so that it, it illustrated um, both in my own life and I think hopefully for other people, um, something about the simplicity of trust and how we can surrender to it. So it was the way that it, 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 it carried that. Mm -hmm. It's very different to tell a story about it. Like my friend Gail Larson says, you know, tell a good story and you'll change a life forever. Um, and from telling a story and putting a theory out. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, as you go through the next iteration of this for you, when you write it, mm -hmm. what shows up? 
Mm-hmm. I think because, you might see. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, well, and, and yeah, it's every iteration of our story. If we go deep into it and look for meaning, mm-hmm. give something else new, which is a very different experience than saying the same old story over and over again and uh, running those ruts, you know? The, okay. So how do we stay present in the moment to tell our story in the present moment with freshness so that we're not telling the same old story, which when I was a psychotherapist, people would do all the time. I mean, they would tell the same old story and you, you knew that and they knew that. Mm-hmm. So your question, how to, how <laughs> how do you stay present yeah stay so there is a bit fresh yeah to learn from whatever it is you're telling <laughs> to be present <laughs> that's <laughs> the answers in the question is presence mm-hmm. uh, to be present to hear yourself to hear if you come from a, a lens or a frame of everything is story and to realize that what you're doing is you're sharing truth, but you, at times for sure, but you're also sharing story. Mm-hmm. So if you see it as a story and, and listen to it as a story, you can listen to, Oh, I'm telling myself a story. You can hear that inner voice as the words are coming out. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a, you know, people often think of stories as not being true. Is mm. what you're meaning? Like it doesn't, uh, like, oh, maybe this is the old story. Mm-hmm. Yes, there can be stories. There's always a version of what's true. The old stories are, yeah, knowing, recognizing something as an old story. And the flip of this is when you when we hear other people telling us the same story over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in couples who maybe have been together a long time. Yes. <laughs> or you might find a friend irritating for a point because they keep telling the same story. They're not telling the story to tell the story. They're telling a story for a whole nother reason. And you don't always know what that reason is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can, I can have a sensing of that. So it may be to convince themselves <clears throat> or to keep themselves held back or feeling yeah. safe. Yes. Um, so, so say more about that. I mean, how do we, how do we update our stories? Um, I want to just stay with that piece about when we listen to other people's telling the story, okay. just as a listener, go into the story with them. They go into and say, and say, be curious about what they're saying because it's hiding something underneath. Mm-hmm. And you're right; it may be keeping them safe. They may be worried about something. Mm-hmm. They may be wanting something to change. It, it, it's um, it's not meant to be an irritation. It's a door into what's underneath. Okay. And then the other piece around that is. Um, like you go to family reunions as the in-law and you hear the same stories over and over again. They're not telling, they're mm-hmm. telling the story for the reason of saying, this is who we are. Yes. This is our history. It's got a very foundational family culture piece to it. Yeah. And once I recognize that, 
<laughs> it was a way more interesting. Um, and I stopped saying, oh my God, I've heard this story like 500 times. <laughs> That's not helpful either. So for us to keep our stories fresh, which is where you're going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm. So first step is to hear ourselves telling the story. The second step is to be curious with ourselves of what story, what is that story doing? If, if it's a... Um, when we're saying all the time, what function is this? Why am I saying this all the time? We get, get curious. Mm-hmm. It's be a piece to that. Another piece to staying fresh with it. Oh, being really aware of the storytelling dynamic triangle. So there's storyteller and there's story listener and there's the story. Ah, Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's never the same. Even if you tell the same story to the same person, there's something that's, that shifts the second time. And it may be, why are they telling me this story again? They just Mm -hmm. told me that last week or whatever, like it shifts, never the same. And so when you're telling a story, being super aware of the listener ensures that it's fresh because you're reading the listener for cues Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So some people will have um, a uh, business story or a leadership story that they use over and over and over again. And you can kind of tell it's gotten a bit stale and they forget who's on the other side. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, we're all at different places with that, with our story journey. So... So but if you're doing that, it's okay. keeping it fresh is, is, it sounds like that's one of the things that you teach. Yes. Yes. And through, it's through story listening. It's, it, that is a big piece. I thought I was going into this work uh, from the storytelling um, place. Mm-hmm. And I, and I have, and I do, and I, I, I work in that. But what's been fascinating is story listening. Hmm. We don't think about that, that part of the triangle. We, the focus is almost always that I've heard on the story itself and the storyteller. Yes. But not on the listener. Yes. Ooh. So what so have you been discovering? That as a culture overall, we're not very good at it. <laughs> what does that mean not very good at it uh it we are so intent on getting our voice into the mix and finding that place that we we don't fully listen we're just waiting for the for the road in Mm -hmm. and and to be honest there are some people who that's what we work on is is finding that pause where they can get in to tell their story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. That's part. But the, yeah, we're, it's hard to find that. And so sometimes um, we're not fully listening to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, I don't know. Like, I, I don't like your question. Why are we like that? I don't know. Well, not so much why we're like that, but what is what you've been discovering about as you focused on that, as you brought that to people's awareness, what changes? 
How does that impact the whole system? Yeah. (laughs) The stories that come back into the group after people have gone out in the world after a session where we've we've done some work on this, Mm -hmm. it's been fascinating because they are connecting with people at the speed of light because they go into a conversation or communication exchange with the intention of hearing the other person's story. Mm -hmm. So listening for these story moments and you find that you hear them in a friend or you hear them in a business colleague, or you hear them in your child, you find the moment Mm -hmm. and you hear it, it resonates and you go into that moment. You, you ask, you get curious and you ask more and you elicit the other person's story. And that is eliciting somebody else's story is one of the biggest gifts you can give them. I feel it and I'm feeling, mm, I'm feeling the energy of it. And I'm thinking about energy too, as you're speaking about, and, and that, that I, I, I want to talk about that, but there's just something you said about eliciting the story moment. And uh, how do you do that? Mm. Presence. <laughs> You've got. Give us a, an example. I think. I think. Yeah. I want to get so, into the juice of that. So, so a story moment. I think of a story moment as the smallest unit of story. Mm-hmm. It's just like um, I'm a, I have a linguistics background. So, like a morpheme is the smallest unit of meaning, and a phoneme is the smallest unit of sound in the right. language. Uh huh. And so a story moment is like the smallest piece of story. And it's, it sounds different when you, when you listen, it has a different energy to it. Okay. It feels important when they're talking. So it's like the light gets shined on it, a spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. You could, for some people that would be it. Some people, like I feel it in my body when Mm -hmm. I'm talking with people. Okay. Um, What does it feel like? Because that's we're going into that energy side of it. What does it feel like? Res, I, the word is resonance. Like I feel it in my body. My body shifts. Okay. It, it's it's like if my body had ears, they were they perked up. Yeah. Um, like like ooh, something's important here, and that's what I mean yeah. by the spotlight. Yeah. Something something lights up energetically. As people are speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that so often and I've certainly never, ever identified it as a story moment. Mm. You know, and, and I love that because it, it's it just it, I don't know why it 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 opens the door into another whole way of both of, of listening, um, of listening to myself and it. It gives it meaning, you know what I mean? It, it's like it gives it, uh, it makes it even more special. And sometimes it takes that breath, like in the moment, the, the pause, the breath, and then going in with curiosity to figure out what it's meaning, why it's meaningful. Because uh, the first hit I find 
isn't the answer why it's meaningful. Like it's just the first hit. Oh, there it is. And then go into to it yourself. If it's your own moment mm-hmm. uh, or if it's somebody else's moment to go in it with curiosity with them. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm thinking about this with um, with parents and children and how we might and probably do miss so much because we're not paying attention to what resonates inside us so often. We're, we're busy. We're in the external world and we're, we're focusing on what well, you got to get your shoes on. You know, you're going to be late for school. And maybe that's a moment where there's something there that if you were to take a breath as the listener, you'd notice you're, that something is resonating with you. Yeah, beautiful. Lori, that is so beautiful. Mm. It is. There's so mo- so many moments in children's lives that are catchable if we're present mm. with them and we listen. Mm-hmm. And we'll miss a ton. It, but the best advice I heard was the most important nine minutes as a parent are when your child first wakes up. Uh-huh. The last three minutes when they go to bed and that three minutes when they come home from school or daycare or play date or something, you connect with them. Yeah. And if you can practice on those three minute sets in a day, mm-hmm. it's potentially relationship changing. Wow. Wow. That, that is so powerful, Adele, and just hugely uh, important for parents to hear. So now let's take a leap for that from there to our intimate relationships. You know, when okay. we listen to our partner, you know, when they first come home, um, when, they, when they wake up. <laughs> oh, Lori. <laughs> when they go to bed, when they're just on their way to bed. Yeah. And it's so funny because recently I have felt moved to ask these like ridiculously profound questions right before my husband is going to bed. And he'll look at me like, what, what are you asking? How could you, you know, how could you ask that? But for some reason, it's what occurs to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm still like, I'm still a few sentences back, Lori, because I, yeah, like you just nailed for me what I need in my life. Oh, yeah. Like I haven't been Mm -hmm. um, very present on the first three minutes after work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So that changes today. Yes. Yes, indeed. I knew this would be so good. (laughs) Um, Okay. Now to you. Okay. So tell me, (laughs) why do, why do I ask these crazy questions? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's causing me to reflect like what's happening for me. And I, and I, I, Actually, as soon as I ask that question, I know one of the things that's happening is I'm wanting not just a, oh, good night, sleep well, have great dreams. You know, I'm wanting something of a deeper, I want to drop into a deeper place and a deeper connection 
even as we're going to sleep. It's not that I want to start some, you know, hour long conversation as my husband is going, like I can barely keep my head up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so much more than that. And really perhaps it's not a question that I'm after. It's, is there some story or is, is this a story kind of moment? You know, what is it that I'm needing to share? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Fascinating. What I hear in that is connection, a desire for connection, like a yes. deep connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story is a beautiful way. So whether you share, it's a, a nugget that you share or a nugget that you elicit mm-hmm. and sharing a nugget often elicits a nugget from somebody else. Right. Right. And it could be, you know, a moment that I'm giving gratitude for from the day, something I want wishing to acknowledge, which is often what I'm doing before I go to sleep is within myself is acknowledging those things. And that could be a way of, of using that as a story moment to say, huh, you know what I'm with right now as I go to sleep is this, this experience that I had today. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful reframe into a story moment like from a, I'm curious because sharing that way rather than asking a really um, deep question mm-hmm. is I have a feeling that that's going to give you more what you're looking for. I I suspect so. (laughs) I expect so. Yeah. And then can we take it one more step out? Um, And and this, I think, opens up a whole other whole other thing. Because you are a coach and I'm also speaking to all the listeners who may be coaches in some sort of way. I mean, they may be doctors that listen to the people that come. They may be coaches. They may be teachers. Um, anybody, they, you know, business people who work with their employees, their staff, their colleagues, um, their, their customers or clients. You know, really, it's in every relationship. Um, so I, I, I've just taken this, what started out to be a simple question and expanded it to God knows where. Um, <laughs> I know that. <clears throat> but I'm, I, where I'm going with this is two places. One is I want to go to, you know, how you work with people. And starting from the place of, okay, let's say we're speaking to all those people who work with others, who, who interact with others. What are those moments like you created with the, like you, you called out with the children and then we expanded to the, the couples. What are those moments in all those other situations? Mm. So how do you elicit those story moments? I know I've asked a question before that, but I'm asking in a different way right now. Yeah. How do you elicit the, um, there's, when you want someone to share, like if you want somebody to share a story with you so you can understand them better or you can understand their context better, mm-hmm. whether that's a customer or a child or anybody, um, eliciting story moments, listening 
is the absolute number one way. When people are feel like they're listened to, they will share more. Mm-hmm. Listening, telling a story is an amazing way to get a story out of somebody else. Mm. But it has, it's a different way. There's a lot of people tell stories because it, it, it scratches their own itch. Like they have a story that they want to share because they got to get it off their chest or they, yes. they want you to know something like, so this is a different, it's sharing a story. And often if you share a well-crafted story, I can talk about crafting later, but mm-hmm. I have, um, Oh, no permission to share yet. It's a client that I have who has a story who Mm -hmm. she shares now just to elicit people's stories. Ooh. Yeah. It's, it's, she's brilliant. Consciously, directly. Consciously. So Mm -hmm. having a good story about something because it elicits a story from somebody else. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes, oh, that reminds me of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're not really good story listeners. Because a really good story listener would say something about that person's story first. Uh huh. <laughs> but we're always bouncing off other people. So a good story will elicit uh, a story from somebody else. Asking them the most oh, beautiful question in in terms of getting into somebody else's moments. Take me to a moment when. Because the words tell me a story are very intimidating. Mm-hmm, if you say to somebody, mm-hmm. take me to a moment, it's so powerful. It's so gentle and inviting. Mm-hmm. So take me to a moment when, when you had a great experience at our restaurant. So what you're getting that person to do is go back into the moment of it and relive it. Yes. Just your question just then. I mean, it's so funny. You were just pulling something out of the whatever, the ethers. But what I want us to say is that immediately within one second, I would say there was a story that I haven't thought about for a very long time that came back. And it was, and it's incredibly meaningful. And I'm not going to go into it because that's not what we're, you know, needing to do right now. I, I, I'm speaking though to how powerful that question is, and a way the way to frame that. Tell me a story when. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, t- take me to a moment. Take me to a moment when. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You can use story if some if people no, are intimidated. They can. Story is a little loaded or can be. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. is what I've heard often. Absolutely. Mm. So <laughs> crafting, mm. crafting stories. Oh yeah. So those guys on the TED stage that tell their uh-huh. stories, uh-huh. those are very well-crafted stories. <laughs> There's, there are a few people who can get up and, and share a great story off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot. A lot of people, if you look at the general population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And side note, I whenever I find a good storyteller who's who's just great in the moment, mm-hmm. they have either read prolifically as a child, or they've come from a family 
that dinner table storytelling was part of the family culture. Ah. So I'm going to listen to my daughter who has always read prolifically. <laughs> she would devour books. And I'm going to see, and I'm going to look at, you know, to kind of have that interaction with her. It's like, oh, you know, how are you as a storyteller? I mean, just to listen for that. Yeah. yeah. It's mostly the story, the dinner table things, but when yeah. that's been violated, it's because of the prolific reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and back to the question, the crafting a story. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's, there are many different ways to craft a story. Um, and there's frameworks that exist to help you with that. Mm-hmm. It's my journey into that as a speech pathologist, there is something called story grammar in language development. So there's a setting and an, and an initiating event and then the action and uh, like there's pieces. And so a lot of story crafting and workshops and such, you go through that kind of what's the problem is a big one with Mm -hmm. with business storytelling. What's the problem? What's the resolution is. And I'd go through that and I'd I'd have a hard time crafting from that. Like I just, um, some people can, and some people do, and I don't, (laughs) um, And then there's uh, other ways of crafting. There's a um, man named Matthew Dix. He wrote a book called Story Worthy. It's a lovely listen on Audible if you want to throw that on and do laundry or do a long drive or whatever. Um, And he has a way of crafting a story, um, which is very effective. I have taken um, Dr. David Drake's narrative coaching model that we use uh, learn in his coaching program. Um, and I've modified that into an oral storytelling model for crafting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's working really well. Like it's a beautiful um, generative way of doing a story. So there are lots of crafting models. The, to eliminate the complexity of that, because that can get complex and mm-hmm. to make it simple, because it also can be simple, is to um, jot down a story with a beginning, a middle and end mm-hmm. and share the story orally with another human being with the direction to the human being to please listen mm-hmm. and tell me what parts you liked and what parts I can leave out. Ah. We, yeah. It's just like writing, you know, the writer right. writing coaches tell you to kill your darlings. <laughs> yes. the same with oral. You think you have to say it and you don't, it's like irrelevant to the mm-hmm. listener. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking back to the energy and our conversation just a few minutes ago about energy, because I'm thinking about my um, my teacher who always told stories. I don't know that she well, she always told stories. And, you know, if you were sitting with her, you'd see her foot just going like her legs would be crossed and her foot was like pumping because there was so much energy that was pouring through her. And the story was simply the vehicle for us to receive the energy. 
Mm. It wasn't the content of it. And it, it, and we were all on the edge of our seats because you didn't want to miss a moment of this incredible energy that was coming through her and from her. And by, by being in the field of that story, which I've never thought about, but we were really in the field of that story, we got to receive so much. That is fascinating. So I am sure in your work with with people, with your clients, there's a lot around that, even if maybe that you haven't thought about that. Oh yeah. No, I have. This is actually just recently emerged for me structurally. So, and it's, it's different than being in the presence of somebody who is downloading in that way. Like I respect that. And it's different. What I, I talked about the storytelling triangle what I realized what I do in my groups is I create the container with the group that this storytelling triangle exists within. So I'm very intentional about how we are together with story. And from a speech pathology point of view, it's the pragmatics, the social use of language rules, because normally when we're with story, we're very different. But in story group, in the story pods, it's sacred ground to me. And so creating the container for that is an important part of it. And in doing so, and the group, like I don't teach them to be the container or anything like that, just how they show up, they too are holding this container. So what ends up happening is what is shared by each person is what needs to be shared. Um, And people hear the story and they take what they need to take from the story. And the layers of what gets uncovered in that context, not unlike the moment you had, just when you remembered the moment of the the restaurant, you hadn't thought about it in a long time. We, We end up pulling up these deep, moments that are kind of exactly what the person needs. There's like, there's that magic or that, um, there's something else at work in the, in the work of the story work. Yeah. 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 I I can feel that. And it, it feels so layered that it's Mm -hmm. even hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I'd love for you to share just a little of, you know, why someone would want to come and do that. What's drawing them there? Because that will help people perhaps understand what it's like to to work with you. Interesting question, because when people come to work in the group, they I, the thing that I talk about a lot is that at the end of the group process is that they will have a well-crafted story that they can share at the dinner table, at at a a wedding, a toast or from the stage. So they come for the well-crafted story at the end. But what I'm aware of is that my, my job is to ensure that after going through this process of learning about story, that their life is never the same, that they see story in a whole new way, that they see life through a story lens. And like ultimately that they're developing their story intelligence. 
so that when they leave the group, they haven't just had this great experience of, of having shared stories with people. They don't just have this story to share at the end. And that's what people actually truly come for when they think they're coming, but they leave with so much more. Like when you, when they leave, they can recognize their own story moments on a daily basis. They can recognize when they're listening deeply with someone where those story moments are. They see the opportunity to elicit a story from somebody and, and can go into it in different ways. And they, I don't overtly teach it. I design it so that we're with story together and allow the pieces to, to surface and then put language to them basically. Wow. 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 Hmm. There's a whole other picture that I'm, um, that's coming to me as you're speaking of where you need to do this, where, where they, where you are needed. You know, it's, I mean, I know you do this with groups and, you know, and we're going to ask you for your website and all of that, but I'm seeing this like whole social movement and, and in neighborhoods and in community groups. Can you imagine, and I'm saying this to our listeners, because I know you can, how powerfully potent that would be to change how people relate with one another. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just life changing. It's culture changing. It's generational changing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it can happen at, at like in, in a, in a moment of a conversation with somebody and it can happen on a large scale. Yeah. Denver, you guys have in Denver, there's a, there is a Denver story, the, the story of Denver. So have you heard? Um, boy, that's sounding somewhat familiar. There's different things. Okay. There's some people doing some great story work in Denver. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can find that. Um, it was, it's, there is some great work done being done on a large scale mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah, there's a, <laughs> someone said in one of the pods, man, this is better than book club. I'm like, yes, it is. Of course it is. Uh, so, so we're wrapping up our time and I want people to know how they can find you. I am at adelphedoric.ca. That's my website. Okay. And there's a, there, I would love to have more conversations with people around story. So there's a place that people can sign up on my website and have a conversation. Um, yeah. And then I am, I can give you a Facebook link to put with the show. I think okay. I'm on. Okay. Actually, I have that. So yeah, I'm not that. super active in, in Facebook and, um, but that will go on yeah. the show notes or, you know, yeah. Yeah. So you can catch as well your, um, your website information. Yeah. Yeah. And do you work one-on-one with people too? I do. I do. I, uh, a leadership coach. I have, um, I've used a lot of narrative coaching within my coaching repertoire um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and other tools and in ways as well. But. Is, are there any, is there a final story moment or, or a, a resonant moment that you would love to drop in before we close? Hmm. Something to share that's I've loved your work, Lori. You're you're um through you, I have been able to co-create with presence. Mm. And it's been a 
has had a big impact in my life. And what it also did was let me see that story was another entity that I could co-create with. Mm -hmm. And so it's been amazing. Huge amounts of generative uh, experience in this place of co-creating with both presence and with story. Yes. And so there is the moment that I went, Oh, story. It was in a meditation. This when story came to me as, as a being, mm-hmm. and it, that was a big moment that sh- shifted my world. Wow. Yeah. I and the more that. I get out of the way, mm-hmm. it was like, Oh, it's my job to lead and to teach or whatever. Like just st- keep stepping into that. Mm-hmm. And like, no, I've been stepping to the side and letting story yeah. be the teacher and the leader. And the more I've done that, the better the work is. It's yeah. been fascinating. Mm. Thank you, Adele Federick. Thank you for saying all of that and for sharing your wisdom with us today. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much for the conversation. It's always a pleasure. Mm. <laughs> and thanks to you, our listener, for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. And in terms of where we are, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. We're pretty much on all of them. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review because that helps other listeners to discover us and to access the wisdom that comes forward here and to transform the world. So for more about fast-tracking your ideas from creation to revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacainstitute.com. And you can take the quiz and find out your creative innovator style so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.